Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, professor and licensed therapist. I'm Mandy, Professor Kirk's professor cousin. And I'm Umberto Castaneda. I am a consultant for Star Wars 9. All right, today is a grab bag episode of random research and presented in the style of tough or bluff. So, tough or bluff, people. In times of danger, people follow females. In times of danger, contrary to maybe many people's beliefs, people follow females. Tough or bluff? No. Bluff, I think that historically perhaps they follow the alpha male. In times of danger, people follow females. Hmm. Bluff. It's bluff. Males. Dutch researchers showed 49 participants pictures of dangerous and non-dangerous situations and then investigated whether the subjects followed the eye movements of men or women. They found that the participants followed the eye movements of both men and women after seeing non-dangerous situations, but after seeing dangerous situations, they followed only the men's eye movements. Interesting. I wonder what I'd do. Yeah. Can't say I've consciously thought about it. Right. So the question is, is that innate? Is that an instinct to follow men, or is it taught to us? Uh, it's definitely taught to us to follow men in times of trouble. Women's opinions are undervalued in Western society, particularly, or in probably lots of societies, right? I, I wonder if that study would extend to uh, men following the eyes of, quote-unquote, alpha males. As opposed to just a beta male. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. All right, tougher bluff. Women are perceived as better leaders than men. Tougher bluff. Women are perceived in the United States as better leaders than men. I'd have to say bluff, not that I don't, not my opinion. My expectation is bluff, but maybe the test showed otherwise. I don't know. It's tough. Wow. In a U.S. study, colleagues of leaders rated their leadership ability. Oh, I see. Of various different male leaders and various different female leaders. So their colleagues rated their their different skills that are associated mm-hmm. with leadership. And the female leaders were rated significantly higher than males wow. on most on most of the leadership skills. So it wasn't just like how good of a leader is this person. It was they define leadership okay. on, on various different domains. And each one of those leaders were evaluated by their colleagues. And they found that females uh, had higher scores, so to speak, than men. I wonder if it's, if it's because... To get to those positions, they had to be that much better to begin with. Interesting. Or if it's a more general phenomenon. That I hadn't thought about that. I could definitely see that mm-hmm. because of the glass ceiling right. and because of sexism in the workplace and everywhere. Women are discriminated against, and so the only ones that can achieve the same level as their male counterparts have to be extremely good at their job. Right. Whereas men who are mediocre might rise to the top because of sexism and preference for men. Hey, Mandy, how can people support the show? People can support the show by checking out psychologyinseattle.com and clicking on the Support Us page to find out how to give us a shout-out, how to support us financially to fund our vision quests and our penis pilgrimage. And, man, we miss summer and our chance to do vision quest psychology in Seattle with the one and only Paul Ambonelli. <laughs> can we do a winter vision quest? Brr, brr. Yeah. It's a focusing factor. All right. Time for bluff. Women can smell the fertility of ovulating female rivals. Tougher bluff. Humans? Human women can smell other human women's ovulation status if they're ovulating. That's interesting. As Because they're female rivals. Female rivals, ovulation status. Um, Tougher bluff. I've read research around pheromones and the menstrual cycle. 
and I've seen a lot of things saying one way and a lot of things saying the other way. I, this one sounds like it might be tough. I, I will say that they can chemically detect it with their nose, but I don't think they consciously are aware of it. So I'm going to say tough to the technical thing you're saying. Right. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's what the study yeah. was looking at. Yes, it's tough. New research from Florida State University suggests that women react to the scent of their fertile female rivals by getting a boost in testosterone. So that's interesting. So essentially what they're saying, what they found was that when they measure blood levels of testosterone in women, when they are around their rivals, however that's defined, probably women that are close to them, that are ovulating, there's a rise in testosterone in the friends or the rivals, so to speak, of these other people. That's that's interesting. So they can be more aggressive about getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Um a blutophobia. Well, let me ask, Mandy, if your colleague or friend or rival was ovulating, would you get a little bit of a surge of sexual motivation and, and competition? I can't say I consciously do, no, because it's not that often that I find myself lusting after the same man and if i did and they made it known to me i would be like okay hands off right cool right i would step back and be like go for it that's not worth it for me to hurt their feelings to go after the same man right you know yeah i guess the opposite it would be like uh, a woman your friend's trying to get pregnant with her husband and mm-hmm. she's ovulating and and you like go screw you I, he's mine <laughs> come over here <laughs> i want his sperms make me baby <laughs> mm, yeah that would be gross all right uh a blutophobia if you have a blutophobia you are scared of cleaning yourself a blutophobia. You are scared of cleaning yourself. See, the thing is with these phobias is it only takes one author, quote unquote, to invent a phobia. <laughs> and instantly everyone outside of psychology says, it's real, man. It's a thing. <laughs> and just because someone coined it doesn't mean that it's a respectable diagnosis in the field. But do I believe that someone made up that term? Sure. But how would I know that? I, I'm, I'm specifically asking because the word... Take it for granted that the word exists and it is something that someone's coined. I'm not making it up. The question is, is it the fear of cleaning yourself? And, of course, there's no way you could know. Right. <laughs> well, I could try to figure out the Latin of abluto. Yeah, I tried a blu- that too. <laughs> a, a blute. A blute. What would – there's uh, – uh, I could – yeah, sure, tough. Why not? Okay. Mandy, ablutophobia, fear of cleaning yourself. Uh, I'll go with bluff just to be different. I have no idea. Uh, it happens to be tough. I wouldn't have known because a blue... T- yeah, I don't know where the root's coming from. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might be a fear of Bluetooth, but... All right, tougher bluff. Non-white children are more likely than white children to be diagnosed with ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Tougher bluff. Non-white children are more likely than white children to be diagnosed with ADHD. Mandy? Mm, bluff. I think it's white kids. Uh, I would say bluff as well. It's bluff. Interesting. According to a study at Penn State, they tracked more than 15,000 children nationwide and tracked them from kindergarten through eighth grade. They found that black children were 69% less likely to be diagnosed than white children, while Hispanic children were 45% less likely to have an ADHD diagnosis than their white peers. Wow. So Any hypothesis? So the, so the hypothesis is there might be a biological difference that means that white children are more prone to having ADHD. 
there does seem to be a, a biological determinant to some extent. The other thing that I thought of was there might be less expectations of non-white children to the point where it's like, well, we have a black kid who's not doing very well in school. Well, black children are not very good with school, so that's to be expected. Where you have a white kid who's not doing very well in school, you say, let's get him evaluated because we need to help this kid out. Another factor I thought of was poverty. The more poor you are, the less mental health care you're going to have, and therefore the less uh, ADHD diagnoses you're going to see uh, among poor people. Tougher bluff. When stressed, people eat worse and exercise less. When stressed, according to a recent study at USC, people eat worse and exercise less. Mandy? Could go either way. Like, if you're really stressed, you exercise a lot. But I'm going to go with tough that, yeah, when you're stressed, you're just, like, trying to get through the day and you're eating crap because and you're saying it's okay because i'm just really stressed right now but i'll be good later right once i get through this stressful patch right yeah i, I get an excuse to eat like shit right. anecdotally i'd go with tough as well that's what i thought but according to this study it's bluff really when stressed the students reverted to old habits if their habit was to eat oh. crappy and not exercise then they did that but if their habit was <sighs> to eat well and exercise then they did more of that that's tricky as hell right because in fact that's a great ex- – oh, man, that would be a great statistics class example of, like, you could see the population and, and notice that the majority of the population, when stressed, eats poorly. Right. And then you would conclude, oh, well, I guess stress causes you – no, no, it's that the majority of the population has a habit of right. eating poorly. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. So if you have a general habit of exercising and eating well – when you get stressed out, you tend to revert to that habit because it's comforting to you or it, it's a fallback that you feel like it's, you know, you understand that kind of behavior. Okay. Um, new research led by the University of Southampton has shown that people in debt are less likely to have a mental health problem than those not in debt. Say that one again. Research from the University of Southampton, new research, has shown that people in debt, that owe money, in debt, are less likely to have mental health problems than those not in debt. Uh, bluff, for the obvious reasons. Bluff. Uh, it is a bluff, according to the study. Now, they didn't find necessarily causation, like causation, like which one causes one, but they definitely right. found a, a very well-validated correlation between being in debt and both uh, mental health problems, as well as, uh, which I guess are types of mental health problems, uh, stress, depression, drug dependence, psychosis, uh, suicide were all correlated to being in debt. Right. It makes total sense. It if, makes only too much sense. So tougher bluff, Manny. This one's just for you. You ready? Tougher bluff, just for you. Birdo knows all the words to the Growing Pains theme song. <laughs> Gosh. Really? Did they have Growing Pains when you were growing up? Tougher bluff. Um... I'm going to go with Bluff. There's no way. I don't even remember that. Smile again. <laughs> don't waste another minute on your crying. We're nowhere near the end. Best is ready to begin. As long as we got each other. We got the world spinning right in our hands. Baby, rain or shine. All the time. We got each other. Oh my god! They both know all the words. 
Wow, you both looked ridiculously happy when you were. <laughs> oh, I thought that. you were getting ridiculous. Oh no, ridiculously happy. <laughs> happy. You're both like, yeah, rain yes. or shine. Oh my gosh, you were both so ridiculously <laughs> happy. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us, and please, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Rain or shine. Oh, <laughs> rain is time. time. You scared we the cat. We got each other, sharing the laughter and love. <laughs> okay. I did not peg you both for that moment right there, but that was great. <laughs>